uh, a couple of our objectives today is that we want to try to um, continue to just sort of open up with just sort of a general type of question, get ourselves thinking uh, a little bit deeper, as well as to bring it to a personal level of application as we, as you prayerfully um, consider and, and contemplate God's purposes in your life with respect to specifically His discipline in your life. So the question for this morning, just to kind of open up for initial reaction, if all trials are God's discipline, and that's been sort of the, 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 the footings, the foundations of our, our focus the past several weeks, if these trials are God's discipline and they were designed specifically in love and for the purpose of making us holy, is it wrong? Is it wrong for us to seek to get out from under them? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Build on that. Keep going. Same. Us uh, for remove this cup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll come back to that because I like a couple of things I really like. Yeah. I, I think I'll, uh, everyone's uh, contribution really has really the key things to this, which we'll try to, you know, out, we'll call it. But what it comes down to is really our hearts. In other words, we have God-given emotions. I looked at Scripture. I see. I saw so many different things, and I went back to the garden myself in my thinking of that. Is that it? Where is the motive? You know, in the ask, what what really what motivates your thoughts are surrounding that, and so there is in all situations there is the fullness of humility and, and much of that ask or in other words to seeking to get out from under that is really because we we cannot we don't necessarily know God's greater purposes other than is that we cling to this promise that there is this great good that comes from it so the only way that i believe that this can be done properly is through the spirit because the Spirit gives us that capacity in, in with simplicity of faith. It, it, because it, it doesn't, there's no other way to express it other than because of the, the fact that we are human and we're driven by those human emotions and responses that are, are they sincere? And that really is what we're going to try to poke at. And so as we kind of go through this, this, this segue is how do we respond to it? And so let's go to, because I liked what you said, is that personally, um, when, you, when you talk about the opposite of this, to say, okay, is it wrong to seek to get out of it? I just want to get out of it. Why? Because of, of potentially some selfish motive. Okay? And scripturally, and what we're being taught is, is that we submit. And that's really going to be the focus of what I, want, I believe is the answer to the second phase of the God's discipline is, is submission. It's one word in that in Hebrews 12 that says it. There's a subjection to it. Paul did it with humility, but there was subjection. I mean, and so there's there's an aspect of humility that would reflect an outflow from the heart of true humility and, and correct motive. And so when I look at how do I, as I look at God's my approach and perspective, like in that homework from. God's discipline, for me, it might have been just a level of insensitivity, the callousness part of it, where do I really, really care? And part of it for me, too, in, in that uh, is how do we respond even to others' 
situations. And I think how God can use these many ways for teaching. And so we'll come to that as we pick back up. So as we've been looking um, a little bit at this emphasis from the author of Hebrews that in Hebrews 12, and just I wanted to read it again and highlight it again, just the key words of the discipline aspect of it to see again the, the weight of it. And so it's the, the rule of proportion again. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as Father addresses His Son? It says, My son, do not make light of the, of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when He rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one who He loves and He chastens everyone He accepts as His son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children for what children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. <coughs> Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So, when we kind of where we left it last week, what do we need to remember in our Christian lives as we approach God's discipline? Trials and suffering come from God, who uses them. God will use them very, very specifically. I have to share with you that yesterday, um, during the the celebration service with um, Lisa, is that where my my mind and my heart were going, and it carried over after the service just in interaction with a couple of people that I was surprised that were there. But what was God's great, what is God's greater purpose? And quickly, I could come to several quickly conclusions just from that. In other words, what we don't know was in God's timing was His purposes that service. Uh, there was a, a classmate of Lori's that was there that happened to be a friend of her parents were best friends with Lisa's parents. amazing discussion that we had post service her husband um, so it's it's really interesting how God was working there because all of a sudden we got together with this couple about a month ago so we have had no contact since college and all of a sudden there was a desire on their part to get back reunited to get this group going together and so that was a question in other words just a thought Conclusion. Talk to Michael after. The power of the word in his message was piercing. It was piercing to the heart and the soul. One, to the non-believers that anyone in that room that had any moral fiber in them. Believers, non-believers, that the Spirit could, could use that and prick that. To the believers in the room, a view to eternity that was so clear changes a perspective, but the power of that opportunity that God used, a far greater purpose. How many, we don't know, may have come to faith yesterday. Some people that uh, from a church that they grew up in may have never understood. So 
when you when you step back and you think about these things, is God is using them, these circumstances, to the fact is, is what we heard was the testimony of that suffering, the witness of those directly involved in that to Christ. His faithfulness, glory. That was so powerful. Um, just my observations. I had to share that because my heart was welled up with um, with joy, but yet, truthfully, a changed perspective. Totally changed perspective. And that, oh, we have no idea what God is doing. So it may have been that very time yesterday. The unity in the body of Christ that was so evident, potentially a purpose and a result of that. Well, that were once part of this fellowship and said, what's going on here? So I just share this as an application that when we remember this, we are as children. And what I shared with Michael, I just said, keep preaching the word. Because this is this remembrance of the word can just be so powerful. Amen. Amen. And so as we, we need it. We need it. And I'm reminded yesterday, because we're going to talk a little bit about this father-son type of relationship in God's love. And there's something that I'm reminded of, is that I have grown children now. So that time of the discipline, right, it stopped at a certain point, right? You know, for some, it might have been a little bit older than others, you know, but right around those late teens is really the, the, the discipline stops. But once again, yesterday I was reminded, it's going. Never, it will never stop until... So that's the cool thing, is that this nurturing relationship between the father and son, in fact, that's what sets, sets that apart as being so much more rich than even that small f father-son relationship. I thought about that. So we, these questions that we consider, where is God in all this, and is God's discipline a develop or display opportunity. This developing or displaying opportunity is how we want to segue into this. And you have the handout. Um, I have more to add to this. If we get through parts of it, that's fine. More importantly, I wanted to engage you today into some of these responses to make some connection points. Where is God in all of this? It was sort of this question I kept asking yesterday. It's like, where is God working right now in this group of several hundred people? And does it afford, when God's intervening in our lives, to His children in a discipline, in a training, in a nurturing, a child, you know, training perspective, what are the developing and the displaying opportunities? The development of our lives, the development of a greater understanding of His Word. What we'll see, even as we see in the passage moving on, uh, is this development of the fruit of the Spirit. It's this cultivating, it's this engagement of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That's producing, it says, it's producing this righteousness. Well, how does it do that? It, it, It happens through working it. Or the display opportunities is what is God showing us about ourselves or a different circumstance um, in the situation. So how we, we react and respond follows our perspective, and that's how we'll segue into this. So let's go, just quick review from last week. As we looked at this, is that when, we, when God is, intervenes in our life in discipline, in 
Hebrews chapter 12, is that problems that we can respond in, in the passage in verse 5, it's, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, which is this do not faint. Uh, excuse me, this do not um, uh, regard it lightly. Do not despise, do not regard it lightly, the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. So these words that are interchangeable, which is this regarding it too lightly, we describe this as is to look down or to reject it outright. And this is this, the despising word that I was reading in the New King James. Do not see God's hand behind the issue. Or to take it lightly, which is, uh, in other words, from the standpoint of just, it's not, a, it's not at a serious level. The opposite here is, is to regard it too, hev- too heavily or too, uh, you know, f- fainting is the, is the author used this term, or to be discouraged when you are. And we describe this as to faint, to become overwhelmed, to, to really to hate it, or to, in this case, to collapse under it, just the weight of that circumstance. And some of the different manifestations to those, and regarding it too lightly, is complaining, questioning, callousness, carelessness, forgetfulness. Then the opposite of this is when it's too heavy is that we become despondent or unresponsive completely or even directing it at anger to God. And so really sort of the the takeaway is where we kind of left it and wanted to open it up for just some feedback about any specific things here that you found. That specific examples that you would like to share or scripture passages that really uh, God is using right now during this study or in your own personal life with respect to ways that we could be exhorted or encouraged by his word we have seen specific things or we've navigated through so anyone want to kind of just made any observations or thoughts from last week if you didn't that's fine just here's another opportunity to, to work on this this is just personal but Maybe there were some special passages that anyone wanted to share. Manifestations <laughs> sometime or another. Hopefully not today. Not today. No, not today. <laughs> and uh, looking, I guess, back on that um, often God will either take it over a mountain, around a mountain, or through a mountain. You know, that God had something. Our trial as the yes. <clears throat> These verses were what? Really so it was maybe more developed. Develop. I think it was both. Develop in me, author and perfecter. Yeah. Chapter 12, I might cross that finish line, carelessness, and I'll talk about some of this. Well, I just start scribbling every day. I have crazy things. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I look at it right now. You know, I was into see all of these things. That's what I saw displayed in my happy. Uh-huh. What was the development? You to kind of bridge. that answered any of them. Uh, sh- <laughs> <laughs> no, but, the, but the since you were in Philippians, you, you know, when you were saying what. You know, the key takeaway, so I'm listening to you, says it is God who works right. in you both to will and to do right. uh, do for his good pleasure. Amen. You know, and then it follows that in the passages, all the reaction stuff. You know, how, how I'm questioning, I'm complaining, you know, do not complain. So it, it really gets to it. But the other thing I like what you just said is, um, and, and it, actually Michael touched on it during the service yesterday, which I thought was just really well done. Is you know, how do you reconcile and how do you... Uh, this rejoicing with sorrow. And, and Paul gives us some very, Paul, he articulated that. You know, he expressed himself is that, you know, we rejoice but yet sorrowful. And so how do you, and I believe that it, it comes back down to this not taking it lightly 
But yet at the same time, it comes back to we're not trying to get out of it. But there is a true uh, biblical submission to the circumstance. You know, I, I don't know. You know, I'm, but, but you have to ask, what you are really busy. I, you know, perfection is all of those still, but I don't stay anywhere. <coughs> I don't try going with it, right? Well, it's, a, it's durance, um, but it's also um, you're driving maturation. Right. And I'm not saying we're mature. We're, I'm not saying that. Right. It's maturation, which is a process. Bible with discipline. I'm not saying there, but it's not a discipline. Direction are we? God puts. How are we asking God to, out of that discipline? That's no to run the race properly. Give me grace forward, better and closer. Anyone else want to share? With the remember how we left it last week? It says, uh, "You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons." So, in the exercise. That what when you look at these cures or the, you know what are the what gets you gets you through this? It is God gives us His Word, so we need to remember that. So the beauty is is that God um, His perfection has given you exactly what you need, and so it, it's going to change. And so we have such rich and you know even when you put together something like this and you start is that. You can compile this, and what it does is that we have something that's going to be able to respond to it. And that response is the word. Um, I, I have to, as we kind of transition this thing, I have to, uh, sometimes when I look at it is you respond off of what the feedback is, right? How, how, what, in other words, how, how the Holy Spirit is working is that I have anyone that's been, you guys know, is that you just let the Spirit, right? So you respond. So when you have a thought, and, and you're expressing that, you know it's of the Lord. It, it's a, it's the Spirit working there. But it's what I always stand in awe of is how God orchestrates a lot of the things that are going on, just circumstantially everywhere. And so then what you do is you begin to see this, and it's like, um, I'll just, again, I'm just going to use a sort of a sports thing because I think that Hebrews 12, there's a lot of sports stuff in it. You know, there's a lot of training. <laughs> there's a stretch. But he does start in 12, verse 12, you know, 12, verse 1 about the race, right? But also look at verse 11. He's talking about those who have been trained, right? That's how it ends. That there, This is this trained part of it. And so the training part of it, and I like what Cheryl is saying, so I'm going to tie it to this race again. And so when you look at this, this process to run the race with the, uh, the race that is set before us, we must know how God wants us to respond to His loving discipline. Um, and in this, the, what His goal is, is trained. It's maturation. It's a confidence. And so what happens is, is that what changes in the manifestation of a trained believer. And it's fruit. <laughs> it's the fruits of the Spirit. As opposed to some of these things. In fact, we do nip them in. Okay? We're not perfect. But what happens is, is that when we are submitting ourselves, that's when we grow. So let's tie this out. Because I, I, I really, uh, this is just my, my little rustler thing in me again. That if we, in verse... 
verse uh, 1 of Hebrews said, Therefore, we also, since we are, sur- are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, I'm not a Greek student, but I probably should ask Tim this question. But as I kind of did, just looked it up, is that this word of training, this word training, which is what it looks like in the end, is, you know, and I'm, this is like your last thing in the handout, but I don't know if I'll get to exactly, but just so that I can tie out kind of my thought process here. This Greek word for this training is gymnazo, which is a gymnasium. It's how we get the word gymnasium from. And so it indicates physical training and exercise, which will now then transition us to spiritual disciplines in our lives, right? Okay, so we'll, we'll get there down the road. But in this connection in here, this word here, is that if you kind of looked at it closely, it was, it meant, believe, this is, go with me on this. I didn't make this up, but it's like this stripping off of clothes, okay? And I was reading somewhere, like, in back then, what the, the Greeks would do is, is there were these athletes, is that they would take off their clothes and they would look to say, it's like, okay, we got to work on those pecs. We got to work on, you know, those deltoids. You know, we got to work on these different muscles. And so the trainer would then focus on what do I need to develop on this athlete? And they would then have a concentrated focus in that training to that. So now, if that is the context of this, then you can see how you can now tie it to this chapter 12 verse 1 where he says to do what? To Get rid of anything so that it easily ensnares. To every weight, set every weight aside. It's to take off this other stuff. It's to strip down. It's the same meaning to this. So, with that thought process, as we work on our responses in preparation for development of spiritual disciplines in our life, is to understand God's greater purpose in that. And that is the training part of it. So now we have the ultimate trainer. In fact, when you strip down, he knows every detail, every detail, inside and out, believe it or not. And so therefore, you ready, (laughs) because this training is going to be intense, right? We're living it. Connie, you just gave us, you know, a perspective on that. And so therefore, anyone that's been trained doesn't like it. Not easy. So that, that perspective of it is ultimately for what is the purposes on that. We all like to win, right? We're all competitive, probably a little bit. I am. I love to like to win at everything. But you know what? Is that if, if we, we have to, you have to compete, you have to train to win. It just doesn't happen. If we, and what God ultimately is part of this training is, is that we need to experience these victories, these wins in our life. So through that process, through the trials, is that when you train and you work through those experiences, you win. Now you receive these spiritual rewards and blessings that ultimately are these crowns, these crowns of life. These are the things that all of a sudden you've changed, you have a total, total change in perspective on trials. To me, that's the only way you can truly reconcile this trial with rejoicing, ultimately the aspects that's going on. I digress for a second, but I want you to see how, how we bridge this 
um, this section of that. Ultimate trainer, you're bound for the ultimate trainer parts. So if we're facing a trial, because the trainer has said we need for us this display or the opportunity, it's sort of like when I'm coming to the training practice, and he said, "Well, are you going to get rid of that or not?" Like you know, we can't start unless you get rid of that. I mean, that's a sin issue. So you're going to get rid of that. So when we start looking at this, is that there's an aspect of submission that is still, I'm making that choice. Am I going to be ready? Because the, the, he, he, you're right. He knows it. He's got it. So as we kind of segue and move into this, next, the submission to God's loving discipline. God is the ultimate authority, therefore submit. Submit to Him. And this, um, this word, this term of, of submission, it's the hupatasso again. Not to, you know, I always intrigued by it, just so I can look at the different def- meanings of it. And with this is that we, we know that this term is this, it's a military type of term, right? We have studied. We've studied in the epistles. We've studied even in First Peter. We see these, this word of submission that keeps coming up over and over again. In Scripture, right? So therefore, that in itself is this military term of submitting and under authority. So now we come to this ultimate authority, ultimate trainer, is there has to be a total submission to trainer. True life comes from this submission, this subjection, this total surrender. And it has to be uh, this complete voluntary subjection is sort of this understanding. And I appreciate what you said, Cheryl, because it's like I can't hide it underneath it, or I can't. It's everything. It's there. So the fullness of cooperation, the fullness of, of um, responsibility that we see. So we're lining this up in order for God to do His work to prepare us. Parallel, you're thinking about uh, the Father-Son, which we'll, we'll move into, this, uh, this relationship of the training, opposed to this relationship of the Father, our Lord, we as His children, is that ultimately when you look at the, in those in, in comparison, but also in, in, in contrast to this, is that He wants us, He's, we're preparing our kids um, good kids to be you know you can you can make a long list as we want our kids to do all of these things to do well during a period of time so we're preparing them for life we're preparing them to live on this earth right god is god is preparing us to endure during this life but more importantly he's preparing us for eternity part of that is just this uh, changing of the perspectives submission is a matter of the will James calls readers to make a conscious and volitional choice to submit uh, uh, perfectly. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. This is the devil and he will flee from you. So James is describing here in this command, it's a volitional choice. You must submit God's will. Then there's a result. This is our daily experience. For our daily, our, our flesh is constantly pushing against this. It's rebelling it, against it. 
And when you look at that um, in your life, that could very well be the very people. So in other words, in our experiences of our day, our flesh, we're pushing against it to the people or the circumstances that God is using to facilitate our submission. So it could be literally um, a work relationship, you know, where there's, there's a, an authority type of situation that you're pushing back with. It could be something totally different. It could just be a relational thing. Or it could very well be the confrontation. It could be the body itself. You know, uh, uh, when, you, when you go through some of this response stuff, is that it's, it's, it's important to see the different roles of, of what is the body's responsibility in the disciplining of the Lord itself. A whole nother discussion to have. God is using these to facilitate uh, the submission. We need to come to the point that when God's submission test, we'll call it, we would say to ourselves, we don't quite understand why you're allowing this, but we need to say this, that we, we choose to, uh, to bow to this, to submit to it. It's your will. Will will be done. Hard for people. I'm not criticizing. That, that, that's your statement. You know, do you believe that? So only faith will can do that. I mean, absent that, you, you can't. And so there will be rebellion that will manifest itself directly at people or the circumstances and you'll push back. So we've got to keep coming back to how do we develop that in our own lives, the faith, because this is where the, the pushback comes. And so it's these, um, again, when you think of God in His work in our lives, in His purposes, so He knows the weaknesses. He knows where we, what we need. And so these submission, quite, quote, type tests in our lives, they look different for every one of us because He is sovereignly working to form His greater purposes, which obviously we benefit by it, but you, we have no idea how God is benefiting others through that as well. I, I totally agree. So much of what you're saying is just really depth of some of the things they went through. You know, in that protection, you know, if you think about um, ultimately, even in the discipline situation, God, um, that may look like He may choose to take you. You know, in other words, to protect you, uh, in circumstance, right, right. What, what, where my head goes on that is, and we'll touch on it a little bit, is what, what that confronts is self, is any part of that, because I'm, a, I'm an aspect of any type of, of. Um, I can get through this type of thing, or that I would potentially question that God has a right to do, say God has a right to do something that maybe, um, in one of the passages that I threw in here to kind of look at was, you know how you're reading through sometimes, I just sort of read through, and reading through Ezekiel, you know, and then he come to Ezekiel when God told him to give up his, you know, take his wife, and he told him, you can't be sorrowful about it. So that was really hard for me, but yet when you understand it biblically, he's, it was an object lesson for Israel through the, his prophet. And so therefore, whatever is closest and dearest to you, God is saying, I have a right to do as I please. He is God, you are not. So that's what I'm saying. Self gets confronted in those things to even to question it. So the why. So it's the protection. So... In this situation, there was an ed- that educated, educated, in this case Ezekiel, it educated Israel, educated us 
into confronting the very things that we cling to other than Him. So, why should we submit? Why should we submit to the Father's discipline? I'm going to go through like three different sections in this. We need to submit because it is an essential aspect of the relationship Father-Son. And in that, there's two things that it proves, or that it ties to, which is it proves that we are loved, proves that we are legitimate sons, going back into Hebrews chapter 12. It said that. If you endure chastening, discipline, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? And, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are legitimate, illegitimate, and not sons. And so as we kind of look at this, uh, this father-son type of relationship, is that we, so why do you? Um, I, I was, when I think about the discipline when I was a child, up to age when I went off to school, but so mom was sort of the daily discipliner, you know, and, and dad was working, but dad was still the ultimate in authority in the house. So you, you submitted a little bit to mom because you could, Sort of just, I could take it, you know, we were boys type of thing. But dad, there was just no chance at that point. You know, it's sort of like, if, and so you, you learn quickly in, in the education process, you, you didn't, whatever mom had for you, you dealt with it. You submitted to it because if mom would just tell dad that David did this and uh, got to be pretty bad then at that point. So it didn't take long for this. But we submit because of this relationship of this father-son that we see clearly as being clearly represented. It is not about a um, it's not about a personality type of thing, you know, like some better authority. This is positional. Okay? It's positional. The positional is is that as believers and as children of God, he is our father. So in that relationship is that that is an, an essential first thing to just be mindful of, that it's part of this relationship. And in that relationship is that it is a loving relationship, and it proves that we're loved. So, anyone, why do you discipline your kids? You do love them. I would add that, that's me, when I became a I had a perspective, they had a perspective, and I would say that, what? I'm asking you to do with something all perfect, all loving. He has not, he doesn't make any. So on one level, it's easy. To yeah, make. and I, I, just want, I want to segue because I think your point is. And so in this, we have to. Re, you're, it's just like when you're trying to. The kids need to remember this, and we do too. Is that we are suffering? In other words, we when we are suffering is that our faith it proves it. In other words, you when you think about the fact is is that your relationship with your children is that you love them. We believe that. It goes back to what Connie was saying. Before. In other words, when you look at what is happening circumstantially in your life, people, circumstances, only faith can reconcile that. And only faith knows it. In other words, how do you say, well, God loves me? I know that. He says it in his word. And then from that truth, is because we are God's children, he loves his children, and he is bound by his very, very nature, covenant to do only the good. So this, this is what my takeaway, yes, yes, is that God's purposes is, is that God was working so much 
in Lisa's life and this, you know, the circumstances just all surrounding that for good. And his covenant is what we cling to in faith. That's, so in other words, it is good. That's what I heard yesterday. So loud and clear. That's the, how you can rejoice. Those passages in the Bible, remember when I'm reminded... Yeah, it's his hand. His hand is in your lives. Trust it. And so therefore, that's what I love about that is you keep coming back to the Word. The Word helps us to remember. And it's over and over and over again. We kind of can see, hear that repetition. And this side of heaven, we're going to continue to need these reminders. It's, the, it's a daily type of structure. So God is bound to these promises. This, this, so God is true. His promises are true. They will be fulfilled. So therefore, this to me is what you cling to. And really, so, so why do you submit? Because He is our Father. And He is preparing us for eternity. And the benefits are, the short term, is that we're, we're navigating through life <laughs> during this, the child-rearing years that we are. Okay, we're going to stop there. So put a mark under there, and we'll pick this back up. And the way I'm going to, what I want to tag on to this for next week is we kind of close out this, is that sort of what are some of the, these outflow, these additional, these benefits that come from your submission and to God's discipline lives. And I wanted to make a list of some things that maybe we can start to compile and connect as we continue to navigate through. Okay? Mark, can you close this in prayer? Yes. Thank you.